Hello Sonoma, welcome back. In this episode, I am broadcasting to you from the Valley of the Moon Vintage Festival and also the Glen Ellen Village Fair. Two lovely local events and I can't wait to get started. Hello Sonoma, welcome back. I'm really excited about this episode because it is a celebration of two Sonoma events that highlight just how special our valley is. The first is the Valley of the Moon Vintage Festival. The second is the Glen Ellen Village Fair. The Valley's first festival was in 1897, and over the years the tradition of gathering on the plaza has continued while celebrating great bounty, community spirit, and rich community history. Besides the traditional grape stomp, where participants raced to press grapes with their bare feet, and live music, this year's fest included dozens of craftspeople and booths spread across the plaza. I spent some time wandering between them and speaking to the artists behind the crafts. In this episode, we'll be hearing from several of them, covering everything from photography and jewelry making to fabric and woodworking. Let's start with Michael Ecton. I'm here with... Michael Ecton. And tell us about this booth that we're in. I'm, I'm a photographer, a nature wildlife photographer. I've been doing this over 40 years, selling my work at art festivals and open studios and stuff like that, and uh, little publications here and there, but uh, been making my living for this whole time on uh, my photography. I think that's so inspiring to be able to follow something that you love. And there's, there's pictures here of vineyards in the fall, close-ups of grapes, beautiful tulips, animals, fog. So I've heard a lot in wildlife photography, you're kind of waiting for the right moment, but a lot of these seem to me to be, you have to think about what moment you want to get. How do you decide where to go to get a beautiful picture? That is, well, with a static scene, I just wait for the right time of year and then hope the light is right that day. The animals is a whole different thing. It's a lot of patience, a lot of sitting around, waiting and uh, not necessarily getting that shot, but then other times a shot just appears and you just gotta grab it, be quick on the draw and get yeah. stuff when you, when it's happening. So. Are a lot of these moments, especially for the static shots, I love this picture, for example, of the sunlight coming through the redwood trees. You have to, how much planning goes into going there or is it kind of something that you see once and you say, I gotta come back here and take photos? A little of both. My imagery that I've shot over the years of going back to a certain place, I usually get better shots the next time around because I'm more, I'll know what when to avoid, what time of year, what time to come maybe. I missed it the first time. And something like that, I mean, that's another one like wildlife where that the, uh, and this one here where the beams are coming through, that only lasts for a few seconds. Sometimes a few minutes, you know, here and there. But the light's got to be right, and the angle of the sun, everything. Yeah, everything's got to be perfect. What role does equipment play in this? Uh, well, you need decent photo equipment, but I, that's one of my most common questions. Oh, you must have a great camera, but it's, it's the eye that sees the image, not the camera. You know, it's, it's, the camera's kind of dumb in a way. <laughs> it's like it, 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 will, it will capture what you, you pointed at, and create with all your settings and stuff, but it's not taking the picture for you. Wow, so people can go to winecountryphoto.com if they want to see some more of your pictures? Yes, that's my website. A little outdated, but I'm working on uh, getting it updated, so. Uh, or, or try to visit me at one of the festivals around the area. 
Sonoma Great. County. Great. WineCountryPhoto.com. Michael Ecton, thanks so much for talking with me today. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks so much for chatting with me, Michael. Just across the way was a booth filled with colorful cutting boards that looked as if the ocean waves were lapping up against the wood. Doreen, one of the family members behind this art, spoke to me just outside their tent. Hello, everybody. I'm here with... Doreen. Tell us about this booth that we're at. So we're at West Coast Vibes, and we've been doing resin designs for about two years. And we just, we love the ocean. So most of the products we do are ocean inspired. So a lot of blues and greens, and we try and do some other colors to get everybody's interest. And we just, we do it from the heart and we want to bring the beach to people if people can't get to the beach. And we do practical art and it's just something that we really enjoy. So the things I'm looking at right now are these magnificent cutting boards that look like the ocean is kind of coming right into your, your kitchen there, exactly. which is a kind of a special coordination. How, who came up with this idea and how did you make it a reality? You know, I've seen some examples on like YouTube and Facebook and I just, I love art and so we decided to try it. And it's a mixture of resin, and then you have pigment powders and dyes and we use sand and real starfish and whatever embellishments we think feels good for that piece we use. Wow, and do you have a background in, in art? Um, I do have a small background in art. <laughs> um, Career-wise, I kind of left it for a while, but then with as many people with COVID, I just, I, I don't know, I lean to art for that good feeling and and I do it with my family and yeah. That's pretty special. Yeah, it is, it's wonderful. Can you tell us about what the process is like to make these, I'm looking at the cutting boards, but any of the items that you have here, what the process is like to make them? Sure, so we actually source the wood. We don't have a big workshop. And then we'll sand the wood down a little bit where we know we're gonna pour the resin. Um, it does better with a little bit less porous surface. And a first coat goes down with the color and the epoxy um, pigments. And then sometimes we'll put glitter into it. We let that cure for 24 hours. And then we do another clear coat on top of that. Sometimes we'll do the second coat with another wave layer and then another third coat with the clear. And so overall one board takes about three days and then it takes about 72 hours to fully cure. Wow, and then soon after that, you can start cutting everything you want on that magnificent cutting board. Soon after that, yes. Cut on the wood, the, the resin is FDA food safe, but we don't recommend cutting on it. Okay, <laughs> and the name of the company is West Coast Vibes. Yes. Where did that name come from? Oh, that's a good question. We just kept coming up. We were originally art not to resin why, and we wanted something that <laughs> every generation would understand and just something quick and short and just it's our vibe and so we came up with west coast vibes wonderful so if people who are listening want to learn more go to west coast vibes with a z.com that's correct thank you so much Dory. all right thank you wandering the plaza's pathways i was excited to see a booth sporting painted pots colorful ceramic skulls and rocks with dots of color sitting invitingly in baskets in front of a big banner titled We Rock Communities was Kristen. Here's our conversation. All right, hello everyone, I'm here with... Kristen. And tell us a little bit about this booth that we're at. 
So um, my not-for-profit business is called We Rock Communities, and I'm an independent artist, and I create mandala artwork. Um, I started with rocks, hence We Rock Communities, and then have graduated to pots and other mediums, and all of the proceeds after covering overhead uh, get donated to support people in Sonoma County with end-of-life needs and wishes, so comfort items like heating blankets or slippers. Uh, during the heat wave, we were able to get fans for people. Um, similar to teachers, our nurses have big hearts and they've spent their own money to buy their patients things, and so this was my creative fashion project way to figure out a way for them to not spend their own money. <laughs> Wow, well it's pretty clear you have a big heart. A lot of your art here has hearts on them, heart-shaped rocks, beautiful things. How would you describe what's on the table here? Um, so the mandala artwork, the story of the design talks about um, connection and hope and healing and restoration. So there's the message behind the story of the design. I've also just done some other fun things like caricatures, animals, just to kind of make things a little more fun. And tell us about how you got into this art. So I am a hospice social worker by day, and we had a lovely volunteer who just donated some of her time to the staff to give us um, an evening to relax. And so she taught us how to paint on rocks and do this design, and I kind of just took off with the idea. Wow, and it's really beautiful. You've done an amazing job. And so you decided to connect this to your day job, we can call it, <laughs> and to give the proceeds to people with end-of-life needs. What made you want to make your art go back to the community that you serve? So I've had lots of different ideas on to tr figure out how to try to support our community, doing like yard sales or bake sales or things like that, and none of them have really come to fruition. This one, I think, developed more broadly because I was able to do something that I love, the painting, people enjoy the products, and then of course the mission behind it um, goes to a good cause, so everybody wins. And can you tell us about the impact that it has with the people that you serve? Oh goodness, yes. So I, my colleagues are able to use, I buy gift cards and they're able to get things for birthdays or do like final wishes during, again, the heat wave we had fans that were purchased. Um, and really just the small things sometimes that we forget about in life really were able to, you know, just bring those things to people and bring a smile to their face. And that's the most important thing, right? Absolutely. How did you get into uh, hospice social work? Mm. Personal experience, having some losses when I was a young child, uh, and of course, as I got older, have other, you know, having other people die um, in my life. So I think it's really important to support one another. It's something that's going to touch every single one of us at some point in our life. And so I'm just really passionate about the education and the support that we can provide one another during really intimate times of people's lives. It's obviously probably a hard job. What keeps you going? What keeps me going? Oh, well, the painting. <laughs> that helps. Um, and knowing that I can really impact someone else's life and experience in a positive way. Awesome, Kristen. Yeah. So if people want to learn more, where should they go? Yes, they can find me on Instagram, We Rock Communities. I'm also on Facebook. And my um, email, WeRockCommunities at gmail.com. That's amazing. Well, thanks so much, Kristen, for sharing this with us and for sharing such goodness with the community. Absolutely. My pleasure. Thank you. I found it so touching that these exclamations of color would not only bring joy to someone's home as a gift or as a decoration, but will be doing so much for a good cause. And it's yet another reminder that even the nurses who help us in our darkest times may have other sources of light in the stories they can tell. 
Our next guest brings joy in a different way, through expressive and eccentric dolls that she makes from recycled fabric. Let's let Nao tell the story. Hello, I'm here with... Nao Kobayashi. And tell us about this booth that you're at. Uh, so this is uh, Nunozu is my collection of fabric animals made by upcycled uh, fabric materials. And how would you describe some of these beautiful animals that we're looking at? Wow, that's a great question. <laughs> it's somewhere between a uh, studying of uh, animal anatomy and somewhere your dream <laughs> and inspiration matching together with all kind of whimsical items from fabric to sequins. <laughs> Yeah, I love it. I'm looking at what I think is like a llama made from all kinds of different fabrics with beautiful colored ears, little tiny finger rabbits that you can put on. Each one is completely unique with lace and different things. What inspired you to make this project? That's an interesting question. <laughs> so many fabric came to my studio kind of naturally and I often study a lot with um, just like I do enjoy sketching of animals. And I just started to play around with the idea of what's gonna happen if they were animals and living creatures. So things did happen almost like a playing with toys and stories start to evolve. Wow, and they're beautiful. So how did you get involved with fabric in the first place? Well, I used to work a lot with a theater costume area and there are actually so many uh, fabric wastings that cannot be recycled at all because many of them don't have any system to recycle into like next items. So I really wanted to work with basically fabric wasting that is going to just stay in landfill. So that was kind of my first motivation to do something to reduce fabric waste. <laughs> and I think you came up with a great idea. What do you hope that the people who get these, what do you hope these bring to their spaces? Well, I hope that each of them do bring stories to individuals. They, I believe that uh, every dolls or puppets do have their own stories that needs to be cultivated by individuals. And kids are very good at those things. Yeah, they are, definitely. So if people want to learn more, they can go to nunozoo.com, right? Perfect. <laughs> Wonderful. Well, thank you so much now for chatting with me. Thank you so much. Even though it was a warm day, I was drawn to this tent by the enormous red quilt that hung behind our next guest. Given that I have absolutely no sewing talent whatsoever, I'm always impressed by those who can make the craft look simple, easy even. Laura Lee Fritz reduced some of her beautiful animal designs to a single line which weaves its way across everything from notebooks and wallets to the massive quilts that made this tent feel so cozy. Laura tells her story best. I'm here with Laura Lee Fritz. And tell us about this booth that we're in. I'm a fabric designer. I design continuous line patterns that I stitch on quilt tops that other people bring to me. I make my own quilts. I design the fabrics. I design wallpapers that I'm using for book covers on some of these books. The other books on the other side of this booth have my design sewn on a siliconized paper that wears like leather. I've got some handbags here that I made with both my fabrics and my stitching. And 
lot of quilts here. A lot of quilts and fabric designs. As you mentioned, they kind of look like leather-bound notebooks, and these are graphic designs also. So these, are, these are the same designs that I have printed on fabric, but I've got them printed on the peel-and-stick wallpaper that sticks best to the vinyl composition books. I would imagine that it's not easy to learn this by yourself. Did you have any teachers? That um, it was, I am self-taught, but I've been doing it for uh, 60 years now, gradually getting much more sophisticated. I have computerized equipment that I program, and I do all my own sewing. And what got you into this world? Uh, the colors, the textures, the possibilities. When I was a child in Berkeley, we would go to all the art and craft festivals, and me and my sister and brothers just realized it was a, a job. It could be done. It's not a well-paying job, <laughs> but it's the, the flash that lets people know that there's more out there. And I love your designs. It's really cool how you incorporate what looks like one single line into creating an image of a, everything from a baseball player to a, is that a cassowary? It's a guinea hen. Amazing. I used to have guineas. I used to have guineas in a farm up in Middletown. We had guineas and goats and sheep and alpacas and horse and blue tick coonhounds and you'll see everything here. I have. A, I live with a, um, a farm mallard now, and so she shows up on my work. And um, what kind of inspired you to create these designs? Uh, everything in nature. There's, everything has a relationship. And people have relationships with the textiles in their lives. So I don't just do geometrics. I do those also. But I like putting a whole lot of, of animals and birds and critters that we all seem to have icons and, and fetishes and you know, creatures that you're in love with the most. And if we people our lives with images of those, you know, we feel like we're connected to them. Do you have one of those? Uh, no, I have many, 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 many. Everyone, every creature that's here, I love the iguana. I got to hold this giant sea iguana down in Mexico, and, and so it's on my work. I have bird feeders out my window, and those are drawings of my bird feeders that I've sewn on the book covers. That's the guinea from my farm. The rhinoceros is one that I used to visit at, what was that? It wasn't SeaWorld. It's the one that was like it in um, Vallejo, where they had all these giant fish aquariums and the whales and, the, and they had a, a rhinoceros. And I'd just go there and stand and watch him. And he would turn his head and watch me. And so I've, you know, I had that moment with him. There he is. There he is. So all these beautiful designs people can take home and make them a part of their lives if they think. Everything over here is $20 or less, tax included. Holy cow. So if people want to learn more, they can go to lauraleefritz.net. .com.net, both work, same address. And I'll have a, a presentation also at the Sonoma Community Center's Christmas craft show or holiday craft market, show. Yeah. yeah, they're calling it market this time, yeah. Well, beautiful, Laura. Thank you so much for chatting with me. Thank you, Francisco. Thank you, Laura, and all the other guests. We'll have to take a quick break. We'll be right back on Hello, Sonoma. Hello, Sonoma. Welcome back. You've been listening to interviews from this year's Valley of the Moon Vintage Fest on Sonoma's historic plaza. I've been talking with all kinds of artisans, and my next guest is no different. 
Rona's reclaimed designs give old redwood new life. Let's hear Rona talk about her art. All right, hello, I'm here with Rona Conti. And uh, tell us about your booth. I'm selling uh, reclaimed wood art made from all reclaimed materials, um, wine barrel rings, and um, it's mostly, it's all redwood and can be hung outdoors or indoors. And I'm looking here at some, these are like the tops of wine barrels that you've put hummingbirds that you've painted or little squares with beautiful multicolored hearts. What inspired you to, to do this, this kind of artwork? Well, our property burned in the 2017 fire, and even though our home didn't burn, most of our other land did, and so I was rebuilding a gate that became very visible uh, since everything else burned down. And I was just trying to figure out a way to not have the deer go into my garden. Um, so I, I needed to make a round thing that looked beautiful. And out of a wine barrel ring and some old wood, I made a, a mandala. And then I met an 87-year-old woodworker that makes furniture, and he taught me all kinds of new skills. So I've applied that to, and have really expanded really expanded my repertoire. <laughs> That's amazing. One of the things that I love about woodwork is the smell and the kind of textile feel. What do you love about this work? Oh my gosh, yeah, I do love the smell. Um, and it's interesting because, well, I already sold that one, but I have, I have some old growth wood from older fences, you know, and you can really tell the difference. It has more of a vanilla smell the, uh, from the redwood. I mean, when I do the woodworking with the retired woodworker, we use walnut and all kinds of other great woods. But I love the texture. I'm, I'm really into the grain. I see a piece and I almost don't want to cut it up because it's just beautiful as it is. But I try to select the parts that really um, speak to me and can represent an image like um, the leaves of a plant, maybe the ridges. I can use the grain to represent that. I think you do a great job of not of showcasing that it's redwood. I mean, you're not hiding the fact that it's wood here. That's a huge part of the art. What are some of the other uh, things that you keep in mind whenever you're creating a new design or reliving an old one? Well, I'm always looking for things that the grain can really um, highlight, like the grape leaf. I can use that. I, I, a lot of the woods, as it weathers, you know, it's it's straight lines, so I have to learn how to work with that. Some of the grain has more swirly patterns, and I often apply that to floral things. Yeah, and then the, a lot of time, and some of the wood just has really great texture, and I highlight that with the paint on the hearts. <laughs> yeah, I love the paint and the hearts and everything. So if people want to learn more, where can they go? Um, I have an Instagram at reclaimed underscore by an underscore Rona. And I, my daughter's currently making me a website, but I don't have it up yet. So. Okay, so go to Instagram, reclaimed underscore by underscore Rona. That's right. Amazing. Well, thank you so much, Rona, for sharing a, a little bit of your art with us. Yeah, thank you so much. Some of the booths at the Vintage Fest had a special aura, and the Silkwinds tent especially did, with cascading hand-painted silks draping every visitor completely with multicolored fabrics that blew in the wind. I took a moment to chat with Lynn inside the fabrics to talk more about her inspiration and her process. Okay, hello, I'm here with... Lynn Haley, Silkwinds. And we're in this beautiful booth surrounded by silk cloth. Tell us about, the, tell us about what's around us. 
These are paintings that I do on silk and I use a permanent and washable silk dye. I've been doing this for about 30 years and it's super fun and easy. Anyone can do it. And you have some beautiful patterns, kind of sunflowers, birds, plants. What inspires you to do the different designs that you have? The first designs I did on silk were inspired by Japanese art using really simple motifs like waves, seagulls, fishes, flowers, stars. So I like the simplicity of Japanese art. Yeah, it's beautiful. And what do you hope that the people who take these home, what do you hope that this will give them? So I try to create like a healing environment in my tent. So I hope that if they take home one piece, they can keep that feeling. That's very true. And you mentioned just before we started recording that you went to the Art Institute. I did go to the Art Institute in San Francisco a very long time ago and studied printmaking, but I met a woman there who taught me the fiber arts using batik, which is basically an Indonesian tradition. And then you transitioned to silk. And then somebody gave me a kit, a starter kit for silk painting, and it was much more easy to use in a mobile studio. It, it didn't require boiling the wax, so I started silk painting because I could travel and still do that. Yeah, well, I must say, I've never been in a space with so much silk around me, and it's a really special environment. Thank you, Francisco. How would you, I mean, how do you describe this environment? I don't, I don't know if I have the words for it. I'd say it's sort of like floating on a silk cloud and having a really good dream. There's some silk right now. A colorful dream, a beautiful, calming, colorful dream. And is this how you spend most of your time is making the silk? No, um, it used to be for a few decades and now I spend most of my time being a psychotherapist here in town. And painting is my therapy, so I still do it whenever I can. Wow, well, I'm so glad that you're able to share this. If people wanted to learn more and maybe find their own silks, where could they go? Well, I get all of my supplies from Dharma Trading Company. It's D-H-A-R-M-A. And they're in San Rafael and Petaluma. They have a great catalog and they're very helpful. So that's how I got started. So I would suggest they go to Dharma. And what if someone wanted to get your beautiful art? Um, I don't have a website right now, but they could email me at info, like information, at silkwinds.com, that's S-I-L-K-W-I-N-D-S.com. Beautiful, well thank you for spreading the beauty of, of silk to us today. Thank you, Francisco, you're welcome. Thanks for visiting. Thank you. And finally, I stopped by almost certainly the most local of all the booths so far, which is Jessica Joe Designs. As a longtime Sonoman, Jess has now made her living making handcrafted jewelry for visitors and locals alike. She took a moment away from her line of customers to chat with me about how she does it. Hello, I'm here with? Jessica Wilson. Amazing. And tell us about the booth that you're at. So my booth is called Jessica Joe Designs. I make all of my jewelry by hand. It's all solid sterling silver and genuine gemstones. And you've got rings, you've got necklaces, you've got earrings. And bracelets. Yeah, I've got it all. I also make nose rings. Oh my gosh, yeah. this is incredible. Thank and you. so you have a studio in town. You're ultra local, hyper local here. What got you interested in making jewelry? I started making jewelry for fun in high school, just beading and stuff, and then graduated and took a weekend long course to learn how to solder. And I've been in love with it ever since. Been my full-time gig for seven years now. So I think jewelry has a lot of really cool qualities. Like 
it's colorful, it's beautiful, but what do you hope people take home with the jewelry that you make for them? I hope that they feel beautiful when they wear it. I want people to feel decorated and worth decorating. I like that, that's really nice. That's really cute. <laughs> so, so tell me about the process to make the stuff that you make. So I do a process called hand fabrication. So it starts from sheet and wire, solid sterling silver, and then I form it using pliers and hammers and fire. And then I set the stones in the morning after they've tumbled overnight in steel shot. And then I polish them up and they're good to go. And where do you get those materials? So I buy my silver from a silver distributor and they have recycled silver. And then I buy my stones from different stone cutters around the world. I have a couple people that I like to go through. And you're wearing right now, your earrings are like uh, shell, like prehistoric shells. Yeah, they're fossilized. Uh, they're called ammonite. And I wear a lot of turquoise and really big jewelry. I like to prove it wrong that like petite girls can't wear big jewelry. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. What do you wish people knew about the craft of making jewelry itself? Ooh, I wish that people knew how much goes into it because a lot of people don't understand how much work I put into each piece. I also wish people would know just the tax that it takes on your body. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's a full body sport. <laughs> it's exhausting. I love it. But people don't totally understand that all the time. Yeah, I bet. Okay, so if people want to learn more about your designs, maybe find it online, where should they go? So I do have a website, but right now nothing is really listed because I'm doing so many in-person events. But my Instagram at jessicajoe underscore designs is a really good place to keep up with me. My story, I post a lot. And then otherwise I do in-person events. I do Napa Market every Saturday morning. And during the summer I do Tuesday Market every um, or in Sonoma every Tuesday. Amazing. So Jessica Joe J-O Designs yep. on Instagram. Thank you so much, Jess. Thank you so much. Thank you to Jess and all the others from the Vintage Fest who took the time to chat with me about their art and to briefly share some of their stories. I know these were quick conversations, but I think they help highlight some of the many talents we have hiding right here in our valley. Many of these artists and artisans do not have storefronts here in town, but almost all of them have some way of ordering their products online or somewhere else, so I hope you were listening when they shared their contact information. Otherwise, you'll find their information in the show notes of the podcast version of this episode. Speaking of local artisans, the music you've been listening to today is by a Bay Area band called Sharing Skies. We've been listening to just snippets of their songs off their album For Everything, which you can find on Bandcamp, or if you just Google Sharing Skies, you can find it on Apple Music, Spotify, everything. Um, But Bandcamp is probably best. Let's just listen to a little bit more of their song, and then we'll come back for the last interview of this episode from the Glen Ellen Village Fair. Let's move along to another exciting festival just down the road. For a place that's sometimes known as Slow Noma, it's pretty remarkable that there was not one but two festivals back to back. The second was Glen Allen's Valley Fair, just down Highway 12. There, I was lucky enough to talk with Arthur Dawson, who wrote, among others, Where the World Begins, Sonoma Mountain Stories, and who knows a great deal about the history of Sonoma Valley and Sonoma Mountain. He talked with me as we walked from the center of the fair to his office just down the road. I hope you'll enjoy. Okay, hello, I'm here with? Arthur Dawson. And tell us about the booth we were just at. Uh, is it the booth for Snow and Mountain Preservation, which is dedicated to preserving uh, the natural and cultural resources on Snow and Mountain? 
And what's your involvement with that organization? I serve as the vice chair. How long have you been doing that? Uh, I've been part of the organization for about 10 years. And I've been on the board most of that time. So Sonoma Mountain is one of those incredible treasures that's right in our backyard. What have you learned from your 10 years on the board and from talking to all kinds of people about it? I mean, it's, it's just brought me a greater appreciation you know, of, of the mountain itself, putting together the book, Where the World Begins. You know, when that came out, it was a local bestseller, and that was in 2019, and we realized when the book came out, we had several events in different places, and we realized that, that, um, that the people who love Sonoma Mountain are, are actually, uh, there's like a quarter million people within 12 miles of the summit, and amazing how many people actually were aware of Sonoma Mountain, how many people care about it. Uh, so it showed us that our constituency was, was much bigger than we thought. We, we kind of figured out it's mostly people that live on the mountain are very close to it, but even you know people in Sebastopol can see the mountain from you know, driving Highway 12. Yeah, I love the map that you have in the booth. We're here at the Glen Ellen Village Fest. Tell us about where we're going. Um, yeah, taking you into the catacombs. This is my office building, which is my door right there, but we don't, we don't need to go in there right now. So this is a historic building, and so, like I said, I'm also a historian, so we just, uh, I put this display together. This is, this is, if you come into Glen Ellen, it's, we're kitty corner from the Jack London Saloon at the corner of London Ranch Road and Arnold Drive. And so I had this idea for a while, and I, f I finally got to talking with Brian Lobsinger, who works at another uh, business in the building. Uh, they do, um, like, graphic design, web, you know, web-based stuff, public relations, all sorts of things like that. So I started talking to him, and he got excited about this idea. And then we talked to Tracy Schoen, who's who owns the building, one of the owners. And so she said, "Yeah, let's putting an exhibit here would be would be great." So it's right in downtown Glen Ellen. There's not really any you know, people who come to Glen Ellen don't know the history. It's just sort of a place without any context. So um, so right now we're standing. This is kind of in the center of the ground floor. Uh, it's open during business hours, basically. And so we've got a couple of walls set up. Uh, with historical photographs and maps. Uh, one of them is Glen Ellen uh, Railroad Town, uh, which really the, the current town really is, you know, the layout is basically goes back to the days of the railroad. And then the second wall we have up is uh, Glen Ellen, a town of accomplished women. So, you know, Glen Ellen's named after a woman. There have been a lot of amazing women who have lived here. Uh, we don't have any living women up on the wall just because that might be a little trickier to, um, you know, who got... Choose. Who, How do we yeah, choose among right. so many? There's too many. They should all be up there, really. So it's all, all uh, historical figures, but uh, we've got, you know, writers, civil rights activists, viticulturists. So I encourage people that are interested to come down, check it out. Um, like I said, business hours, downtown Glen Ellen. Absolutely. And, and the book that you were mentioning, Where the World Begins, where did that title come from? Uh, it comes, there's, there's a Coast Miwok stories about Sonoma Mountain as, as the place of creation, basically. And there's one story where the, um, where the mountain, top of the mountain is basically an island in the primordial ocean. And, um, and that's where the world starts. And then the, the water goes down and the world is, is formed from there. Greg Sears also has a book, How a Mountain Was Made, which is about a deeper look at the, at the indigenous stories about the mountain. But that was... You know, I, I've lived here for over 30 years, and I got to thinking about, I mean, I heard that story, and I thought, what an interesting contrast to the sort of the uh, Western idea that, um, you know, at least mythologically, we started at the Garden of Eden and then, you know, misbehaved and got kicked out. And so in, in some sense, you know, uh, Western culture is in exile. 
Whereas if you were an, an indigenous person here, you would, you would say, well, the world started right there within sight. So it, it works on that level, and, and I'm, I'm very interested in sense of place. But it also works on other levels, like um, it's, it's also the headwaters of three, three watersheds. The Russian River has its southern headwaters on the mountain, and also uh, Sonoma Creek has headwaters on the mountain, and the Petaluma River, all, they all flow from the, more or less the same spot. So, you know, you could, you could walk 30 feet sometimes and dump a glass of water, and, and you'd be in a different watershed. So that's kind of cool. Wow, so here we are in the shade of this magnificent mountain that we see every day, and we can learn more by getting where the world begins and learn more about Glen Ellen here in the shade of the mountain, also in downtown Glen Ellen. Right, and, and I should mention this is also sponsored by the Glen Ellen Historical Society. Of which you're a member. Right, yeah. Fantastic. Oh, if people want to learn more about either the book or this museum, where should they go? If you just Google uh, Sonoma Mountain Preservation, you'll, you'll find the organization's webpage and there's a you can purchase the book online and uh, Glen Ellen Historical Society same thing if you google that uh, you'll you'll find the website fantastic well thank you so much Arthur for sure. chatting with us yeah my pleasure thank you once again for tuning into this episode of Hello Sonoma I'm so grateful to all the guests who took the time to speak with me during these two different events we'll be back next week with more exciting stories from Sonoma Valley and beyond as always, if you're interested in learning more about this program and the guests that have been interviewed, please visit hellosonoma.org. Though we've reached the end of this episode, remember, it's not goodbye, it's Hello Sonoma. Hello Sonoma.